Tara, distinguished guests of wine, there are Jews all over the metropolitan area that look forward to the nine days. That's when uh, Zayn and the Aim and other uh, channels can't uh, play music, so they play non-stop Rabbi Wine. And ever since we announced that Rabbi Wine will be speaking to us this evening, so we uh, count ourselves amongst them. But I think that uh, speaks to the one of the great accomplishments of our guest this evening, to be able to uh, address the breadth of Torah and its Jewish experience with uh, insight and in a fashion that uh, is so endearing that it can be played for hours at a time and people look forward to it and that speaks to the Shira of Torah and that has become the hallmark of every wine and therefore it is a great anticipation that I introduce with you. I don't know if it's such an honor to be played in the nine days, but uh, I accept it. <coughs> the idea of uh, commemorating our destruction is a unique uh, Jewish idea. Most of the nations of the world do not commemorate their defeats. They commemorate their victories, uh, their accomplishments. But to commemorate uh, destruction, defeat, dispersion, that is a Jewish trait. And it's not because we treasure defeat. It's because of the fact that since we are eternal, uh, defeat is never the end. And defeat comes to teach us something. And by learning what defeat is, uh, we can therefore gain an insight into redemption and ultimate triumph. We read uh, this past Shabbat, <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu's Lament. Eicho Eso Levadi Torchachem Masachem Verivchem. That's the lament of Jewish leadership throughout the ages. How can I take it? Rashi says, Malamed Shoychonim, the Jewish people are nudniks. Now, I, uh, when I was with the OU, so I once got a call two in the morning from a Mashgiach. And he said to me, I didn't want to bother you in the office. <laughs> They're tarchonim. <laughs> and masachem verivchem, to bear their burdens, and to have to witness the pettiness of their disputes. Moshe said, I can't. 
But the Rabboni Shalom told him, you have to. Kasher Yisro The definition of a Jewish public servant is that he carries his people the way a nursing mother carries the infant. Now the infant makes a lot of problems. I was just uh, over Shabbat, I had four of my great-granddaughters with me, and there are moments that they're a pain. They they fight, they're babies. But if you're uh, the uh, great-grandparent, you love every moment. You bless God that you live to see it. I come from a generation when no one had grandparents. And here I see uh, a fourth generation. So that's Kasher Yiso Omen Esayonik. So there is a balance here between the Echo of Moshe. Now Moshe had great frustrations. The greater the leader, I often feel the greater the frustration. My father, a blessed memory, used to tell me that when I complained uh, about things that happened in the synagogue, in the yeshiva, in the community, in the Jewish world generally, so he would say to me, this is the minor leagues, he said. In Europe, that was the major leagues. So I said, why? Well, she said, because the people were greater. He said, I saw Reb Shimon Shkop. You never saw him. So your level of disappointment has to be lower than mine. So can we imagine the level of disappointment of Moshe? Moshe says it. I want to raise them. You tell me to raise this people. To make them a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And they want to eat watermelon, pickles. They, what are you talking about? The Kotzker said in one of his famous aphorisms, that I want to make my Hasidim angels, and they want me that I should make their cow should give milk. So there's a dichotomy here. Difference of goals. And that's the crisis of leadership. At the end of the Chumash Dvorim, the Rabboni Shalom shows Moshe Adayom Acharon. The Gemara Darshan's Adayom Acharon. He shows him all of Jewish history. Moshe has a mission, he has a vision. He sees a greatness. That's the task of leadership in the Jewish world. To see beyond the everyday, to see beyond the mundane, to see beyond the problems, to see somehow a greater future. 
And that is the measure of greatness and leadership. And that's one of the echas. One of the things that we mourn. One of our defeats is that many times we are not blessed with such a leadership. We're not blessed with people who see the entire picture or see the future. The Ponevizhirov told me uh, almost 50 years ago that when he built uh, the first building of Ponevizh in Bnei Brak, So he was very good friends with Ben-Gurion. They had uh, very interesting conversations. So Ben-Gurion said to him, what is the Rav? Because then the yeshivas in uh, Eretz Israel were uh, minuscule. Few in number, few in students. Uh, pretty ramshackle buildings. You go there to soil today, you see, uh, see uh, a uh, kingdom of Torah that we have never seen before, probably since the time of the Talmud itself. I'm talking quantity, I'm not uh, comparing quality. So he said, well, what do you expect? So he said, I expect that, that there'll be... Uh, he said to him, there'll be ten ponavishes. So Ben-Gurion said to him, how will you fill them up? So he said, the Jewish people will fill them up. He said to Ben-Gurion, you say that you hope that the state of Israel will someday have five million Jews. They had then 650,000. He said, how will you fill it up? Well, he said, the Jews will come. So he said, when the Jews come, they'll come by me too. And both prophecies were fulfilled. You had six and a half million Jews in Eretz Israel, the largest amount of Jews living in the land of Israel uh, in millennia. Who imagined such a thing? So, Echo Eso Levadi Tochachem Masachem Verivchem has this double edge to it. The edge of the fact that I have a mission, Moshe says, I have a vision, I have a view, and they don't share it. When they go to Mene Ruv in one pasture, the Noslovchad once they're in him, Shevet Menashe once they're in inheritance. Nobody comes and talks to me about Mamlechus Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh. So how can I bet? And the Lord tells him, so to speak, don't underestimate the Jewish people. Somehow it will all come. Whether they wish it to or not, it will all come. Which is really the story of our generation. It is so illogical, the position of the state of Israel and of the Jewish people in the world today, 
75 years after the Holocaust, it beggars the imagination. I remember uh, 1946, 1947, the Jewish people were on the floor. You were ashamed to admit you were a Jew. Nobody wore a kippah on the street. You couldn't get into a decent school. You know, the revenge that we have on Bethlehem, New Hampshire, is because uh, 50 years ago I attempted to book a bedroom there for my wife and family to spend a few days. When I came there, she took one look at me and she said, we're full. So the Lord gave him chassidim. <laughs> now they're really full. <laughs> but the Jewish people were destroyed. There was no immigration to America because he couldn't get in. You couldn't get there to soil because the British didn't let you. 250,000 Jews were stranded in Europe in conditions almost as bad as those that they suffered in the war. There was absolutely no hope. And I remember when I was in the yeshiva in Chicago, so we had a student body of uh, 250, which included the entire Midwest. It was the only yeshiva. It was New York, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Chicago. So we had Kansas City and Milwaukee and Detroit and Indianapolis and all the little shtetlach that then had Jews. was... Echad Meir, every city sent one. What was going to be with us? So that was the Eicha. But there were people who had a sense of vision. People who dreamt big dreams. Who saw beyond Moshe's frustration and Moshe's ideals as well. And from that, we have lived to see wonders. There's a second Eicha that the Navi Yishayo taught us in the Haftorah of Shabbat. Eicha hoiso lezono Kiryo Nemono. Velesiv Mishpot Ibzdoko Veachshov Maratschim. That's the Eicha of society. A society that is so corrupt, that is so perverse, that has turned everything on its head. A society that the Lord intended to be just and holy and moral. And now it's murderous and immoral and violent. 
and without direction. And it's at a point where one cannot even speak about it publicly. Uh, lest one be accused of all sorts of insults in today's world. And all of this has happened in a very short period of time. If somebody from 50 years ago would be here today and would witness the American society, could not believe it. The King of England in 1936 abdicated because he was going to marry a divorcee. That was a chesed because he was pro-German. So the divorcee saved us. But in our time, there is nothing that the King of England can do that would force him to abdicate. Everything is acceptable. And the word zonod, which is used, it represents the fact that people are willing to sell themselves for money, which is the basic commodity here. Money dominates. Money destroys everything. Because it's not controlled. It's not put into a proper perspective. It's not what it once was. I remember that uh, after I repented and no longer was a lawyer, I became a rabbi. Uh, so I was a rogue in Miami Beach in a wonderful congregation. The Lord has blessed me all my life and all of the, congreg <coughs> all of the congregations that I have served <coughs> uh, have been with wonderful people. So, uh, I remember my, my son is here now, so he'll recall too. And when he was a little boy here in Miami Beach, one of the leading members of the congregation asked him, Chaim, what do you want to be when you grow up? So he said, I want to be a rabbi. He said, why do you want to be a rabbi? He said, because he never has to go to work. <laughs> when I was a lawyer, I didn't see my children from week to week. Here, I went home for lunch every day. I can come home and help with the homework. Now, uh, I'm not saying things out of turn, but uh, my salary as a rabbi the first year was less than the income tax that I paid the last year that I was a lawyer. But it was worth it. There's more to life than money. Now, I don't preach poverty. Poverty destroyed the Jewish people in Eastern Europe. Poverty created the secular Jew. Poverty was 
and to a great extent still is, a great enemy in the Jewish world. And the perpetuation of it from generation to generation is a disaster. But one is not allowed to be a zona. One is not allowed to sell oneself for money. The Shabbat was destroyed in America because of that. People had no choice. They had to earn a living. But in earning a living, they lost their families, their future, their grandchildren. They lost what had taken thousands of years to acquire and was squandered in the golden land. There's a third Eicha, the one that we'll hear Monday night. Eicha Yoshva Bodod Oyerabosiyom. That's the Eicha of destruction, physical destruction. And we are uh, heirs to that Eicha, even though it happened 75 years ago. Its effects are still upon us in a myriad number of ways. To be destroyed, to be singled out for destruction, that's embodied, to be alone, alone in the world. Nobody cares. Nobody lifts a finger. Nobody is interested. In 1942, when the Shoah was really just kicking into mass numbers in Poland, the head of the Polish underground escaped to the United States. And he came to Washington and he wanted to speak to President Roosevelt. Roosevelt would not meet with him because they had the alliance with Russia. Poland and Russia were never great friends Stalin was determined to communize Poland. The resistance was anti-communist. Roosevelt didn't meet with him. But he got an audience with Felingfurter, who was a Supreme Court justice, a Jew, and uh, who had Roosevelt's ear, or so people thought. Roosevelt was so wily that no one had his ear. And uh, this uh, underground leader told Frankfurter what the Germans were doing to the Jews in Warsaw. The ghetto, the starvation, the building of Treblinka, Sobibor, told him the whole story. 
And he said, you have to speak to Roosevelt somehow to stop it. And uh, Frankfurter said, I don't believe it. So the man who was with the Polish underground leader said, Mr. Justice Frankfurter, you think he's a liar? He said, I did not say that. I just said, I don't believe it. And he never spoke to Roosevelt about it. That's Lavodod. You're alone. They don't believe it. Now they don't believe it, they turn it on its head. So murderers can come and slaughter a family at their table. And we're the conquerors, we're the aggressors, we're the occupiers. And all the moral leaders of academia and of the clergy have turned everything upside down. So that's the echo of destruction. How does God allow that? The Novi asks that. He has no answer. Because there are questions that never have an answer. And that even attempting to give an answer is sacrilegious. There's another Eicha that's pronounced Ayeka. In the, the story in Chumash Bracious of Odomarishon in the Garden of Eden, so he hides from God, which is a human trait. Somehow we... Uh, you know, in today's world, you can't hide from anything. Whatever happens, it's on YouTube in a minute. Somebody's always got a camera, cell phone, and nowhere to hide. We see how that influences our society. How it's changed police work. How it's changed society generally. Well, Chazal said, I in Roa, the Rabboni Shalom also has the ability to take videos. We say, I'm Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, V'chosem Yad Kolodombo. Everybody signs this page. There's no accusatory one here. Look at it. Here's the picture. But the nature of people is that we think we can hide. So he says to Odom, Ayeko, where are you? Basically, not only where are you, who are you? Now after what has transpired here, after the eight Sadas, who are you? So we, he gives him a uh, firm answer. Ah, you know, I don't have a jacket and a hat. Can't face you. 
uh, I uh, had my yeshiva in Muncie. So once there was a young man that I noticed that he was not present for Mincha. And uh, I accosted him in the hall later, and I said, uh, how come you weren't at Mincha today? He said, Rebbe, I couldn't find my jacket. So I said, so come and daven without the jacket. What is that, you know, is that an excuse? I said, if you daven with Kavonet, and God will listen to you even if you didn't have a jacket. Of course, that was heretical. But it's true. So Adam says, uh, I was uh, not dressed properly. How could I face you? The Lord doesn't accept that excuse. Ayeka, who are you? What are you? The ultimate Eicha is ourselves. Who are we? What am I? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to be? My Rebbe in the yeshiva long ago used to ask us, what do you want to be? So we would answer, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant, whatever. He would say, no, that's how you're going to earn a living. What do you want to be? Who are you? What's your essence? And since that often is very, very difficult to face and to determine, so that becomes an echo. That becomes a mark of sadness. And I would say it's true... Uh, a great percentage of human beings. We don't have, uh, certainly in the Jewish world, which has lost its self-identity, its self-pride. Who are you? I'm a liberal. I'm a conservative. That's not who you are. That may be your political belief, but that's not who you are. So facing up to that is one of the challenges that exist on Tisha B'Av, which is the day of contemplation. The Gemara says regarding Chamish Asar B'Av, the 15th of Av, there never were such happy days in the Jewish world like the 15th of Av and Yom HaKippurim. The Gemara says because of the fact they made Shiduchim and each uh, group of women said look at beauty, look at wealth, look at this, look at piety, whatever the... Why is uh, the uh, Yomim Tovim? Why are these the great holidays? I mean, Simchas Torah, Purim. Because those were days of introspection. 
who I'm going to marry says a great deal about me. What am I looking for? And I'm really looking for myself. I'm looking that it should be an Azer Conegdo. Someone like me. That will understand me. And that becomes the challenge. There's one more Eicha that we read in the Kinnis often. Eiko. The two words. So Chazal Darshan, Eiko, whatever it says in the Torah, Ko. Anar, Aniva, Anar, Neuchoad, Ko. Avram said regarding Yitzchak and himself at the Akeda. So where is that call? Where is self-sacrifice for the Jewish people? Who cares for the Jewish people? We care for my group. How about the other groups? Who's a Klal Yisrael Jew? In my lifetime, I knew a few Klal Yisrael Jews. See, part of the uh, difficulties that success brings to us is that uh, we become oblivious to the general group because our group is big and occupy us. Big enough to be that way. I mean, the point of told me, he said, uh, he went to a lot of non-religious Jews to raise money for the yeshiva. They were European Jews, but they were not religious Jews. So he told me that uh, any honors in the Beis Medrash were reserved only for Shomri Shabbos. But his uh, orphan houses and his girls' school and uh, many of the other social projects that he created, he would raise money from everyone. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be his driver in Miami Beach for uh, two or three days a week for a number of years when he came in the winter. It was uh, glorious for me. So he would say every morning, he would look at his list, and he would say, whom are we going to do a favor for today? I'm going to do this you a favor. I'm going to have him give to Torah. I'm going to have him give to Klal Yisrael. He's not doing me the favor. I'm doing him the favor. And that's what made him the tremendous fundraiser he was. Because people felt that he was doing them the favor. Because he was worried about Klal Yisrael. He wasn't worried only about Ponovish. But when it becomes so big, so successful, so then uh, there's no necessity to look for Klal Yisrael then we become much more insular 
much less interested in the Klal. And Klal Yisrael needs people to be interested in them. I have a wonderful young man that's my associate rabbi in Yerushalayim, and he runs Kirov programs. But not the ordinary Kirov programs. He runs Kirov programs for secular Israelis. He's not trying to make them observant. He's just trying to open to them the world of Torah and tradition. And he's enormously successful. And they all say the same thing to him. You're the one that I met that cares about me. That cares about my children. That cares about my marriage. That cares about the future of the country. So that's a great boon for him, but it's a terrible indictment of us. What do you mean? You're the first person that cares? So that's a co. What about the co? Ko Amar Hashem. Ko Yezaracha. So if we look at those five variations of Eicha, we have a pretty good picture of how we got to where we are. By reversing it, we can get to where we should be. By caring about the Jewish people, by emphasizing the coal, good things will happen. They always happen. The Gemara promised us, Abol Atayr Messiahinoso. You come to do a good thing, a heaven will help you. And we see that, because otherwise, how could it be what we have? And we have to search for ourselves. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to do what's good for our children. For each child individually. Not what my neighbor thinks is good. And not what current wisdom thinks is What I know is good for the child. And we are privileged to have a Jewish state in the land of Israel. Something which generations upon generations dreamt of and did not live to see it. And that has changed the whole equation of the Jewish people in the world. That's the reason that in the United States, I, I had a conversation with a, uh, believe it or not, I have a, a following in the Hasidic world. I'm the underground entertainment. <laughs> So uh, one of the lectures that I gave in my shul in Yerushalayim, so there was a Chassidish young man came over. And he tells me he's a Satmar Chassid. And he asked me a few questions about the lecture. We had a very nice conversation. And then he asked me, uh, how come uh, 
you're such a wise person, he said, how come you support the Medina? So I told him, I said, listen, if there wouldn't be a Medina, the state of New York would never have let you make Kiryas Yoel. The only reason that you exist is because of the Medina. The only reason that Jews have a face in this country is because they're the state of Israel. Now the world thinks the state of Israel is 80 million people. And, uh, you know, we have the best air force in the world. You know, the, the American government uh, sent over a few, mo- <coughs> a few months ago uh, a number of F-135 fighter planes, the latest fighter plane that uh, does everything but count sphere. <laughs> so the Israeli general, the Air Force general, who accepted the planes in the typical... Uh, modest Israeli (laughs) assessment said to the American general on public television, of course we have to make a few improvements, (laughs) but we thank you for the planes. And they will make a few improvements. And the Americans will buy the improvements from Israel. Who believed such a thing? Mimi Lele Avraham Meniko Bonim Sora. especially people of my generation, whom, as I mentioned, we had no hope. So we have to be strong. We have to have the vision. We have to look beyond the pettiness and the politics and all the noise and see the great thing that has happened to us and that will continue to happen to us. And we have to try and rebuild society. We have to rebuild our society and then we can influence others as well. We have to free ourselves from corruption, from immorality, from abuse. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to improve. It has to be our goal. Have a sense of justice, sense of common sense, of goodness, of creativity, of innovativeness. We have tools today that never existed before to spread Torah, to spread morality, to spread goodness. The tools can be used in the opposite section too. But that does not change the fact that the tools are there to make Torah great and widespread. And that will create a demand for leadership. Leadership is not always from the top down. Many times it's from the bottom up. We have to demand from our leaders <clears throat> that they be leaders. 
take the bit in their teeth and help us with the problems that face us to create the world that we want to create. So then Tisha B'Av becomes not only a day of sadness, but a day of rededication. Chazal say that the day of the Churban, the Mashiach was born. By that they mean we have a chance to start again. Our generation certainly has a chance to start again. And I think that that is our mission. And that is what our legacy to future generations can be. That we began the upward push to reverse all the echas and to make them yemei soson v'simcha lonu l'chol Yisrael. Amen. Thank you. Yes, yes. Here, here.